We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 415 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Neil Hilton, and I'd like to welcome back a guest for the OGs. It's been a while, but Luis Madrigos, writer for Barcelona and giver of good takes, has returned. Luis, welcome back. Hey, nice to see you. How are you doing? We're doing okay. I think you and I just finished watching Croatia against Japan in the World Cup. So with that said, that was the first PKs we had to slog through. So, I mean, I'd say so far the knockouts have been exciting. But yeah, getting to PKs, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what you change, but it is the way it is. But how are you feeling about the action at the World Cup so far? I think it's been really good. Um, sometimes you'll have a really good group stage. I think it was 2014 or 2018. One of the last World Cups, you had like a really exciting group stage. Everyone was saying this is the best World Cup ever. Then you get to the knockouts. Everyone's afraid to get knocked out. And you get like nil-nil, one-nil, whatever. Everyone's a lot more cagey. So that hasn't happened. Um, kind of the excitement of the group stage is kept going into the knockouts. I guess this one wasn't maybe a little bit less exciting after the equalizer, but overall, I think it's been pretty exciting. So I hope it continues. Yeah. Memory serves 06 and 2010 by and large were both pretty good knockouts, but pretty boring not boring, but the group stage had some teams in it that did not intend to play in that group (laughs) stage. And we had to get through that. But today, Luis, I'm someone who, again, looks at my numbers, looks at the stats. And when people said before this World Cup, who listened to my podcast, that we care about the Barca stuff, we don't really care about the international stuff. I, I was kind of listening. I tried my best to listen, but they were they were being honest. So today we are talking FC Barcelona stuff. But as I promised as well, we're going to go back in the history books. Nothing really pressing to talk about the club at the moment. I mean, the fact that Frank Kessier and his but the fact that he's going to stay at the club, yet that kind of stuff is in this limbo for the last few days, and that keeps being the story over and over, it tells you how little is happening. That the hypothetical transfer of, of Barcelona's fourth midfielder, or fifth midfielder, well, yeah, fifth midfielder, is a discussion point. So today, because of an article you wrote for Barcelona Granas, we are going to do uh, have an interesting discussion here. So we're putting the World Cup in the rearview mirror for now, and maybe worrying about it later in the week. But today we are answering the hypothetical question, that again, you wrote about for Barcelona Granas, and I'll link that article down below. We start with the disclaimer, though, that no, numbers cannot be retired in football. So this is all hypothetical. Again, this is a hypothetical fun experiment we're having. But it does happen sometimes, like Diego Maradona with Napoli. The other disclaimer is usually that the player is retired when you retire their number. But since Barca's best era has happened with players that are still active, that may confuse people and complicate things. Like, I don't need a million messages about, hey, why didn't you retire Messi jersey or why didn't you retire Busquets' jersey? Well, obviously, you know, they're still active, but we're going to do active players too. So the last stage setting thing to go over this whole conversation was also inspired by Diario Sport Poll, where you pick from players at each position. And I thought it was pretty stupid to do one player for a goalkeeper and one forward, which is, is absolutely insane nonsense to me. Impossible to do that at FC Barcelona after 123 years. So instead, Luis, we're going to upset people and we're going to retire whoever is necessary. The Boston Celtics, for precedent, have the most retired numbers of any professional team in any sport with 24, with the New York Yankees coming in second with 22. And because in Europe, in Asia, and Africa, retiring jerseys is not really something that normally happens in South America. So it's kind of a U.S. thing. So as you kind of mentioned before we began this, that we're, make, we're making more of a Hall of Fame 
to add to the museum more than we are actually, you know, retiring numbers or jersey or whatever. So again, because Barca as a club has been around 123 years, I think 24, 22, my number is even higher than that. Uh, if you want to follow along at home and take your little uh, pencil and notepad out, I have 32, and I want to say legends here of the club, 32 names I have on the list. And Luis, you and I are going to work through that. Yes or no to those, as well as trying to see some of the ones I left off. All right. Now, final things we jump in. Actually, it's almost a lie to say if Barcelona have not retired any name, numbers because they have. They have retired handball jerseys already. And outside of the men's first team, the basketball, the Baloncesto, has already retired Juan Carlos Navarro's number 11 back in 2019, as well as Andreas Jimenez, Nacho Salazbal, Roberto Duenas, and Juan Antonio San Epifanio. So there is precedence already at FC Barcelona to retire numbers. But again, it's much more prevalent in basketball. And before we do the men's first team, we're almost there, Luis. I also want to mention the Femini, because when we talk about active players, this is really, the Femini is really where you ask that question. So are there any active players for you that are already prepared for the Femini to be retired? Again, the names here, I think Alexi Puteas, Marta Torajon, Aitana Bonmati, Patri, Sandra Panos, Mariona, and Mapi Leon. I, those are, I think, the main names that we're discussing when we begin that active players list. Yeah, I mean, straight away, Puteas, like, obviously... When you're talking about a team that basically won everything in Europe, won individual awards, I think they were one, two, and three for the female Ballon d'Or. So it's going to be uh, hard to top that. So yeah, I think you you straight in. You have to. I, I mean, for sure, some of the players from this from this current team that has been so successful, especially like the star players, you you have to agree to those. Oh, and I was going to say since you mentioned, I was just going to say like as an aside that. Retiring numbers in in Italy in Serie A is pretty relatively common because they have much much more relaxed shirt number rules. So in La Liga, you can only you can't leave a number open between I think it's one and twenty two or twenty four or whatever. You you can't leave like number ten open, but you can do that in Serie A. And if you look at if you watch a, like an Italian league game, there'll be people wearing like seventy four and. 38 and random numbers like that. And so it's much more um, feasible to retire a number. Like uh, I know uh, Inter retired Javier Sanetti's number and, you know, different ones. Like obviously Maradona, Napoli retired number 10, but yeah. So that's another topic, but I just wanted to throw that in. Yeah. There is precedent in, in the sport of football as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. As as you said, I had on my list here, I had Alexia and Martha Torjon were yes already. Yeah. because of how long she's been in the club. Aitana, Patri, Panos, Mariona, and Mappy Leon, I, I think need like a season or two more, need a little more time, and maybe a few more trophies this season would help. And then Caroline Graham Hansen and Aswala need at least another like two seasons for me and a few more club, just being at the club a little bit longer. They haven't really been there that long. But as far as going back in the feminine history, I don't want to forget the players that have helped build what exists now either. So Sonia Permadez, who was a four-time leading scorer and won the league all four years that she was there. That happened, that she was leading scorer, rather. So I would retire her number or her name. And then goalkeeper Laura Raffles, and I'd say Olga Garcia as well, two based on her goal-scoring record of 53 goals, 87 appearances. Again, the numbers and the records for the feminine, which is insane because it was like the mid-2010s, isn't even what it should have been. But after them, Jenny Hermoso, Vicky Lasato. And uh, Vicky Lozada, rather, and Melanie Serrano are all absolute yeses for me, too. Those three. And the one I don't know about, though, Luis, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure about Lucky Martins. So she's already gone. 54 goals in 110 appearances in five seasons. And that number is even lower for Barbara Latore, mm-hmm. who I'm leaning a little bit no on. But for Martins, it's tough because she was a she was a, in a, not even an important part of the, the best yeah. era that they've had. But, you know, again, based on the numerical precedent... 54 goals, 110 is enough, but I'm not sure if the role she played for the club, you know what I mean? Like having been there, yeah. having watched it, I don't know if that would be someone I would, I, I would, uh, I would go with, but five seasons in the feminine game is kind of a lifetime. It's also one of those things where I think like the reputation of the player in general versus the reputation of, of them specifically for a specific club. Yep. Like, uh, I mean, the most obvious case of that is Maradona who, played just a couple of years in Barcelona, but it's obviously known as one of the best ever. Um, so it's, it can be kind of hard to judge kind of like a, a player apart from their reputation and only looking at what they 
contributed, whether you should do that or whether you should consider the fact that they were, you know, star for the national team, star at other clubs, that kind of thing. And I think the other tricky part is there's just less history of the, of the women's team. So it's hard to put these things into context. You know, when you have a, a hundred years plus of history, you can yeah. say, okay, this person, you know, scored X many goals, but 50 other people did so as well. Um, we don't really know like what the future holds. Like if in 30 years, we'll still be thinking about her as, okay, this is someone who, who really still stands out as a, as a true kind of legend of the club, or if there's, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 other people who have done that and more. So like you kind of go down the pecking order a little bit. So it's just yeah. a little bit hard to judge right now when there's less history, you know? Well, that's unfortunate. I have no one for you from the 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah. or even the, the early aughts because the results weren't there. They just weren't as good. I mean, as was the case basically until 2008. And then again, the feminine wasn't professionalized until 2015. So records right. weren't even kept right. So the last name I, I give you is Ima Cabezaran, who should be retired because she was the 18 year old in 1970 who met with Barca president Augusti Montal Costa at the time to get a women's team started. So she is very much the Juan Gamper of the women's mm-hmm. side. She put out an ad, oddly enough, just like Ampere did, to get women from 18 to 25 to come for the first exhibition game. And I'd also retire the entire 17-person team from 1970 that played in that Christmas Day friendly in 1970 in front of 60,000 people, again, setting all that precedent. And then the real shame is that between that time and 2002, I, I don't have any names to even provide you because, again, records weren't kept well. And the team, it was hit or miss at times. They weren't even incorporated in the club mm-hmm. uh, for basically the entire run. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Pique and Puyol or Pique and Mascherano. Or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content... Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. 
Go to Shopify.com slash TBPod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TBPod. We're going to transition to the men's team now, and we already talked about the criteria a bit, but, you know, very much like Martins, I mean, we did kind of set the precedent here. We're going to go over Brazilian Ronaldo, Maradona. So hold your horses on that. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to those players. But I was trying to think here as far as what the criteria would be. Is it a set number of appearances? Like, there's a minimum, like 100. Like, what's the number here? And I think the criteria also changes the older back in time we go. Yeah. These guys in the 20s only had two competitions to play in instead of six over the last 25 right. years. So that does certainly change things. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you can say to one specific number because the context definitely matters and you you know the trophies that you are expected to win kind of change with time and you know it's not it's not really fair to compare across so many different decades you kind of have to look at it on a case-by-case basis so yeah well i think the safe place to start is at least with appearances though because appearances does tell you that the contribution they give to the club they a earned their time on the field yeah so we'll start with the modern era though Eight of the top 10 appearance leaders for FC Barca have played for the club in the last 10 years. So it does make it pretty easy here. As I said, I had 32 total players. Again, eight of those in the top 10 mm-hmm. appearance leaders for FC Barcelona are recent names. So that's Messi, Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta, PK, Puyol, Victor Valdez, Jordi Alba. And I know people are mad at Alba right now, but he's top 10 in appearances. Yeah. He's done a lot of winning. I'm not arguing with him. The other modern era players to throw at you here, I have three, Danny Alves, Neymar, and Pedro. Mm-hmm. Are you yeses or noes on all three of those? Wow. Okay. <laughs> the, I know, I'm, so we're starting. We're starting hot. We're starting heavy. Because I mean, the first the first eight you named are, I think, automatic yes. I mean, it's even like you said, sometimes in the moment we can say that uh, they're going through a bit, rough patch or whatever. But I think when you look back ten years from now, how are you going to look at it? Uh, people won't really remember necessarily the bad times. They'll think of the good times only, and it's going to be hard to say no to any of those first ones. Pero, pero, okay, so he was such an essential part of such a good team, and he made so many appearances, scored so many goals. Like, he he was the first player to score in six different competitions one year, for example. It feels so uh, cruel to say no to him, but I, there is definitely, definitely a kind of like a second tier that I think you could put him in. I, I guess it depends on how, what do you call it? Where you draw that line, because you could be a little bit more inclusive and say yes to everyone, or you could say, okay, we'll stick a yeah. couple that are kind of maybes and just stick them into no. Neymar is like another one where like he was a very essential part of a treble-winning squad. He was there for quite a few seasons, scored so many goals. Kevin Acrimony's exit, so, not kind of, but an Acrimony's exit, and um, I think that if you talk to people, this is kind of the like X factor is just kind of the, the feeling you get. Mm-hmm. If you talk to people about Pedro and you talk to people about Neymar, you get two different, um, two different feelings. And one is a lot more warm than the other because of how it ended. I think a lot of people, even like I was saying, even if you, if you go 10 years in the future, I think people will still question how how Ney left the team, yeah. why he left the team. Well, there are uh, other players that that applies to, too, that are, that are on our list. Oh, uh, like, well, yeah. So that's yeah. that's a kind of an X factor. And um, I'm sorry, who was the other person you mentioned? Well, Danny Alves, but that's a yes. Like, we don't even need to... We don't have to yeah, no, that. okay. Danny Alves, I think... Yeah, I think it's a yes. I mean, uh, you're talking about, in my opinion, one of, if not definitely the best right back ever. And... Yeah, he um, he obviously had contributions at all kinds of other teams, Sevilla, Juventus, Brazilian national team, so on and so forth. But if you think about what is the team that he's most identified with, it's Barcelona. And the fact that he came back nearing 40 on a free, almost free contract to try to help the team. I think that's showed a lot about his character, even though he had... um. He had a split with the club originally. I know his his beef with, was with a different president, but still, he had split the, with the club originally, um, kind of on bad terms. The fact that he came back and sacrificed so much, I think, yeah, it's a definite yes. And I'm I feel cruel saying no to Pedro, but like, I kind of feel like maybe that's kind of a line you you could draw 
mm-hmm. to 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 say this is how close you could get but still not be in it. And as far as Neymar, I think that you have to – when when he's retired, I think he'll be known primarily as somebody who, who was a big reference point for Brazil for a long time. And then at club level, he kind of bounced around a couple teams and, and built a good reputation at different teams, but he won't be necessarily identified with one specifically. Or he, if he is, he might just be identified with PSG. He won't be thought of as primarily a Barcelona player. So well, I would I also say, it. I think that, that went into my think. I think that definitely went into my thinking. Odd, oddly, that like when you look at the stats here, Neymar had 68 goals in 123 appearances over the course of four years. Pedro was only there for seven years, and he had over 200 appearances, 58 goals, so 10 goals even less than Neymar. When you're talking about production, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's an odd thing that Pedro, regardless of how many appearances he made for Chelsea, was less than 140. Roma, Lazio. He will mm-hmm. always be remembered as a Barcelona player. Yeah. Again, he was only there for seven years, which is interesting. He was only there even you know, almost double, more than double the time of Neymar. But yeah, I mean, Neymar, he's already been at PSG longer than he was at, at Barcelona. So yeah. I actually went, I went yes on Neymar and no, I mean, uh, sorry, yes on Pedro and no on Neymar. But I think you bring up a good argument that Pedro and I, I you know, we, as we continue to go through this, Pedro kind of was where I drew one of the lines. I mean, he was like number 31 or 32. So mm-hmm. if we're going to say no there, I think that's totally fair as we try to get our list down to, thir- to 30. So I basically have one more cut to make. We've done the hard work here. So rounding out the top 10 appearances, and it's going to get easier now here because there's, again, yeah. precedent historically. And not say I'm not willing to hear arguments. But So rounding out the top 10 in appearance getters is Miguel, who played from 73 to 89, made just shy of 550 appearances in some of the rougher teams in the club's history. So people don't really know that name or remember his time there. And then Carlos Rejac, who from 65 to 81, also played in a bunch of rush, bunch of rough teams. But based on appearances alone, based on contribution to the club alone, mm-hmm. I was an easy yes on those two. Yeah. Now for the top goal scorers. And this is another thing. Where do we draw the line at that number, right? The top 10 are Messi, uh, which is obviously no. And then <laughs> Cesar Rodriguez with 232. That's got to be a yes, second all time. Yeah. Uruguayan Luis Suarez with 198. Yes. Laza Kubala at 194. Yes. First real mm-hmm. like trophy winner at the club, like guy that really like yeah. was the talisman to help them capture trophies. Josep Sematier with 184. Definitely a yes. One of the most important goal scorers in the early history of the club. Jose Pascola, who people remember me talking about before, in mm-hmm. 15 years at the club, also played during really the dark era of the 30s and the 40s when the Spanish war, uh, Civil War was going on, as well as uh, the Second World War. 167, though, in that time, he scored f- over 15 years. Again, mm-hmm. definitely, if, if, unlike if, if politics in the world hadn't actually happened, we won't talk about politics today, but if, the, if world wars and things hadn't happened, Pascola would have had more. And then Polino Alcantara with 143 in 395 appearances. Mm-hmm. Second on the list, by the way, in appearances is Alcantara. So absolutely yes for me. Uh, the first superstar the club had that wasn't named Gamper. Mm-hmm. Then Samuel Eto and Rivaldo on 130, both in five seasons. That one's interesting too. As we talked about Neymar's four seasons, yeah. five seasons for both Eto and Rivaldo. And then Marino Martin with 128 in eight seasons. So... The question there, and I think we begin to talk about Eto and Rivaldo and mm-hmm. Martin. Where do you draw the line there as far as top goal scorers? One thing I would say about the, the kind of the key difference between like Neymar and Rivaldo is like Rivaldo was, I think, for, I think he was like the main star for Barcelona for at least a few seasons. He won the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Right. So Neymar, he was always second or third in the pecking order. So I think that that does make make a difference in terms of like how you identify um, a player with a team because I think when people in the '90s thought of Barcelona, they thought of Rivaldo, and that was the first name that came to mind for many many people. And, you know, depending on the, on the year, but but for for several years, and that's just not the case with Neymar because Messi was you know Messi was Messi and uh, Luis Suarez was still on the team, Xavi. Iniesta, you know, all these other players. So I think that's it's one of those things that's kind of like hard to quantify, but I think that definitely plays a role. It's like, who was your reference point at that time? And Eto, I think I also like strongly identified with Barcelona. It was like the other thing that I was saying that it's intangible, but when you think of Eto, you think of Barcelona. He did play for other teams, obviously. And 
I guess another portion of this is their contributions to winning major trophies. Yeah. Which actually is, I think it's also an argument for Neymar. It's, it, that's actually a point in favor of him because he did contribute mm-hmm. to, like, he didn't score a goal in, in the Champions League final. But Eto, like, you know, he scored such iconic goals for Barcelona and he was such a, a reference point as well. I don't know. I, I, I would like to hear what you, what you have to say about this. Yeah, I had, it was a yes on Eto. It was a yes on Rivaldo. And I did draw the line at Mariano Martin because as people know, yeah, I go, I go nerd out and in history books, but he did play in, again, the dark era of the forties. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately winning, even if it wasn't really up to Barcelona at the time, winning does matter at some point when we are mm-hmm. rewarding these players. So I do yeah. draw the line at Martin at that basically 129 goals, I guess is my threshold. Mm-hmm. And then, cause then when we talk about winning, right now we bring up the, the dream team and how mm-hmm. do we reward the dream team? Yeah. Ronald Koeman is an absolute yes. Again, yes. I, we're not talking about him as a manager. We're talking about him as a, uh, <laughs> he's not going in as a manager. He's going in as a player. And then, you know, I was going through the list and it's tough because we have to leave off some portion of, and I have left off more than half. I will tell you of this. Well, no, actually I left off exactly half of this. There's Storchkov. There's Romario. There's Laudrup. There's Pep Guardiola, the player. There's Guillermo Amor. There's Jose Maria Becero. There's Sergi Barzwan. And there's Zubi Zareta in goal. I mean, I'll, I'll give you who I had. I had Kuman, mm-hmm. yes. I had Stoichkov, yes. Yeah. I had Romario, no, because again, longevity and even the way he left the club. Mm-hmm. I had Guardiola, yes. I had Amor and Becaro. I had to say no. There's just too many other good players. Right. I had Sergi Barzwan as a no, and I had Zubi Zaretta, believe it or not. I also had him as a no because we'll get to another goalkeeper that had as a yes. I only had two goalkeepers as yeses. Okay. This, but I had to say no on Zubi Zaretta as well, uh, even though he made all those appearances. The tough one, I left somebody off that list, and now I'm going to... I am I keep giving you the tough ones, by the way. So the next tough one I have is Laudrup. I really don't know. It was 166 appearances, yeah. but all that success, and again, the Bosman ruling. I mean, he, Romario, Stoichkov, they would have played and contributed even more if... I mean, Kuban was going to be the guy always selected from that foursome, but mm-hmm. three of the four were allowed to play. And Laudrup, there were times in that last season before he left for Real Madrid mm-hmm. where he was the guy who was left out. Maybe he shouldn't have been, but that was a choice that Johan Cruyff was making at the time. I mean, again, Laudrup, he's really, really tough. Is it, is it a yes or no for you? Yeah, I don't, I'm not so sure. Um, he was obviously a great player, and he's, he's, I think, the only player who has successfully moved from Barcelona to Real Madrid without being known as a kind of a traitor or being super hated by, by the fans, you know what I mean? I think every other player who has made that move has had, I mean, we're not talking about Figo, for example. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> we'll get to him. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, like, the only other example actually historically is Josep Cementier. But again, mm-hmm. that I want to remind people that was the time when you talk about Real Madrid, this yeah. Champions League era and this pre Champions League era. So right. Real Madrid is just like everybody else. I mean, before that time, it was, and then same with Espanol. Like these are other places the players could play and make a living. So they did. So we're talking Real Madrid, yeah, post 1960. Right. So, um, I mean, there's been other players who have made the move from Barcelona to Real Madrid, like Saviola, but it wasn't direct. And it wasn't, you know, it was just not a big controversy. Laudrup, I think everyone just loved him so much that even that didn't completely sour people on him. I mean, Luis um, Enrique kind of actually in that list too. Oh, but it's the other way around. He went from right, exactly. Madrid to Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a different whole different thing from a mm-hmm. you know from from one point of view <laughs> so yeah I, it's so tough because it's hard to kind of pull all these things together i think that if you make a list it he'd be one of the names where and you didn't include him he'd be one of the names where people said would say why didn't you include him but like i think you have to kind of be cruel with some of these because otherwise i mean otherwise we could just say yes 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 to everybody um mm-hmm. would be the easiest thing and uh, obviously, there's no fun in that. <laughs> it would you got to be a little bit controversial. So I think I'm kind of leaning towards a no. I, I don't know what mm. you think. I the reason I said yes, and this actually you brought this about the Neymar thing. He was, I think, that for large stretches, the best player on that team. Yeah, and I think that is the difference for me. That's why I said no to a more Bacero, Sergi, Zubizarreta, mm-hmm. a lot of the players that helped build that. I also said no to Romario, which again will upset people. But his contribution to the club, again, that's I, I say no or Mario instead of Laudrup. And I think that's the one where fans of the 90s 
you can have the disagreement there and the argument there. So we haven't yet spoken the, about Spanish Luis Suarez, who won the Ballon d'Or, yeah. Ronaldinho and Johan Cruyff, yeah. all players who won the Ballon d'Or were at Barca. Yeah. Easy guesses there. As did Rivaldo and Stoichkov, by the way. We also wound up, in hindsight, also said yes to those. Yeah. So the next two, I mean, kind of in the same realm. Brazilian Ronaldo is there for one season. And on my list of top 75 players, yeah. I even had his contributions to Barcelona 12th on that list as far as best players and their mm-hmm. contributions taking it all into account. I had him 12th on that list because of just how good he was yeah. in that one season. But that season is not, this is a different argument, right? I'm not yeah. saying like best in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and Luis Figo, unfortunately, people yelled at me for putting him so high on the all-time list. But I had him 30th overall, right behind Diego Maradona. There were some arguments about that. Yeah. But for Luis Figo, it's a no way. And Ronaldo, it's a no for longevity. And for Luis Figo, it's obviously an absolutely not the way he left the club. It doesn't even matter yeah. what he did at the club. Not, I mean, even judging other contributions, still didn't do enough. I think Amor, Picaro, Romario, all those guys go in for mm-hmm. Figo. Yeah, of course. Um, and it's just, I think you can put a little bit more of um, a sentimental or kind of emotional requirements to something like the Hall of Fame than, I guess, when you're judging like who had the best like one single season or something, you can be pretty objective about what the contribution was. But if you're talking about a, a Hall of Fame type situation, there does have to be like a connection. I think you, like you make a good point about Loud Drip, for example. And like Romario, obviously this is one of those players that's like, clearly he's a legend of the game who spent some time at Barcelona, but not necessarily one of Barcelona's like all time legends. Mm-hmm. Speaking so just purely about the club itself, it's just kind of weird because um, sometimes you can have a player who is so, so good and maybe even better than some of the players that we were including, but it's just... No, Maradona. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't give him, I didn't offer him to you because I just, I don't know how you, how you put him in. He just, he didn't play long enough for the club and the club also didn't really do that much winning with him. Yeah. I think that's one of those that's, I think that the most similar example I can think of in all of sports, the fact that the Miami Heat retired Michael Jordan's number, despite that he never played for them. Yeah. And it was just, um, you know, this guy is such a big legend that we're going to kind of tip our hats to him, even though he's not a legend for us, obviously in the Miami Heat case, not at all because he never played for them and he just eliminated them so many times. I think that's the only argument you can make for a Maradona is, of course, he's not a club legend because of his contributions to the club. It's just he's such a legend that we're not going to, you know, we're going to include him because we're kind of tipping our hat to him as a player in general. But I don't think, you know, I don't think that's, if, if we're talking about purely about what you contributed to the club, it's just not, there's no real argument for it. Yeah. I mean, someday when Messi is on the board, uh, he can definitely fight for that one. And then, <laughs> uh, then, then we'll give in a little bit. So, okay. So then getting to the names that most people won't have heard of, the only players, because again, I had tough, uh, most of the players that we've named are from, I mean, even, even Cruyff, believe it or not, didn't do as much winning as you'd expect, mm-hmm. but we all admit, Kule's all admit even as a player, he changed the direction of the club. You know, yeah. by winning that La Liga 1974, everything kind of changed. And then obviously his greatest contribution are him as a manager. But even as a player, I mean, he again won the Ballon d'Or at the club, started mm-hmm. to do some winning again. It could have been better, but a lot of th- a lot of factors went in. And as far as prior to even Cruyff, most of the players we've named are from recent history, the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it does have to do with the fact that the results for the club throughout the first a long time weren't great or we don't have like perfect records of them, or it's hard to even parcel through who was the most important players in those times. Again, unless it was Polino Alcantara or Josep Semetier, where they were just leagues beyond, or just mm-hmm. they were the stars of the time. It's hard to really figure out. Again, they also played in different formations, right? You read, yeah. read, read Inverting the Pyramid. I mean, pretty much everyone was a forward, but most forwards didn't even score, right? You kind of gave it to the one guy and then he put it in the net, and then yeah. we we're going to reward that one guy. So going through all that, I think both the teams of those fifties when Barcelona did rebound from the really dark eras of the, the thirties and the forties with Kubala. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the other Hungarians here because again, longevity mattered to me. So mm-hmm. I didn't put Kusitz in there either, but the goalkeeper Antonio Ramayets belongs on that list. Mm-hmm. And then the captain of those teams, Juan Sagara also has to be on the list. As I said, Carlos Puyol, he ran because Sagara kind of got into a jog in the fifties mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as far as setting the precedent as what a good Barcelona captain can be. And then Juan Gamper, even as a player, by the way, yeah. goes in as well. He was the, 
the first good player that they had. And he was their best player in, in the first like two seasons. And then it already was changed. And then the final two names I have here is Joaquin Rife and Saji Barba. Now, Barba was a player that played in the 20s and was a major player for a team that could have just closed its doors. And as I, if people go back to the YouTube video I did a few months ago now about Catalan footballing history, there is this revolving door with all of these clubs locally that it didn't have to be FC Barcelona, right? It could have been Espanyol. If more good players played for Espanyol, it would have been Espanyol who were the, the, the team in Barcelona. Or it could have been Hispania, AC, a team that folded in 1910 or 19, whatever it was, 1906, watch the video. But it could have, it didn't have to be Barcelona. Like FC Barcelona didn't have to be the one that raised their head above. Athletic club, kind of out of the gate, we're going to be the club in the Basque region. Real Sociedad was always number two behind. And then the rest, all Real Union, like all of those just kind of fell behind. So I do want to somehow find a way, and I, there should be more old names on this list as well. You know, you look at the Baseball Hall of Fame here in the U.S. While, while it was broken now, like early on, they tried to contribute, like honor those players that contributed greatly. You know, numbers may not be there. So again, Barba only had 64 goals in 204 matches as a striker, but I am weighing his contributions more based on that era. Just saying, I mean, again, he was one of the first stars of the club at the time. And then, I mean, he's, he's the one who helped, even at that time, helping secure stadiums. Because they weren't stadiums, but like helping secure grounds to play on. Like right. literally grass fields with the city. Like and say, hey, can we play there? And they're like, all right, well, we got this. I mean, a lot of times it was polo. Right? We have polo going on. So you're gonna, we're going to have to bump you to the, <laughs> the mud field in the back. And, and so that's where the club was. And that's where a lot of football clubs were. They we're talking 110, 100 years ago. So those two I do add. And then the final thing I'll, I'll, I'll hand to you, I mean, is there anybody, I think we talked pretty much about everybody, but is there anybody you think I missed? And then part two of that is, is there anybody who's currently playing in the team, even a Mark andre Ter Stegen, that you're already going to say, hey, we should prepare for that ceremony? I think that maybe Ter Stegen is like the only one you could start to think about. Um, I think it's going to be controversial though, because, you know, obviously he won the Champions League with, with Barcelona. And he's been the goalkeeper for so many years. It's eight yeah. years. Like when we talk about longevity, like eight years already. He's basically yeah. been the starter. Like, but I think it's gonna the, the 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 trajectory of his career is the thing that's gonna hold people back because he have if he had played seven years and then in the eighth year won the Champions League, that would I think kind of give kind of his story a better arc than winning the Champions League in the first season and then not doing it again. I mean, maybe we don't know if he will or won't, but I think if he does win it again, then the conversation would completely change. So we can't, re I can't really, you know, obviously we don't know, but that's, that's maybe one of the players we haven't talked about that would maybe most have a chance outside of, you know, obviously like Gabby has a chance, but we're projecting out 10 years that who knows what will happen, but there's certainly quite a few young players where you could imagine Gabi, Pedri, Fati, Balde, like any of them could in theory become one of these legends, but we just don't know because it's, it's so, so early. Yeah. So, so when you look at only like players who are above a certain age where you could say maybe in a few years, as opposed to 10 or 15 years, I think Ter Stegen is the only one you could think of that way. But it's, I think he, I think it would take him winning the Champions League again to, to kind of change people's minds on him to, to the point yeah, that, I agree. that they would say, okay, he deserves it more than Zuby, for example. Like you, if we're saying yep. no to Zuby, then you gotta, you know, you really gotta, it's not just did you have a good career or not, but it's like a, a level beyond. And then I, I think Keeney, did we talk about him? So there is like that next group. There's Kloivert, there's David Villa, there's Keeney. But for Keeney, he's a sporting he home player. He's not a Barcelona player. Like yeah. that goes back to the whole idea that you were talking about. And, you know, I just, I don't think he was there long enough. And, you know, I do want to, as I've said many times, I do want to dive into the kidnapping incident. And mm -hmm. like these, there are, I mean, same thing with Maradona. Like if Maradona does not get tackled the way he does yeah. in that Copa del Rey final against Athletic Club, his career at Barcelona and his career in general is like mm -hmm. even better. But that like, it just, it all went sideways from that mm -hmm. point. And there are these like little moments that happen. I mean, being kidnapped is a huge moment. <laughs> like getting maimed on the field by Athletic Club, also a huge moment. But yeah, Keeney, like I, I don't, I had to draw the line there as well. He just wasn't longevity. He just wasn't there long enough. Yeah, I, I, Villa is another player, but I mean, I think definitely you would rank Pedro ahead of Villa because he's just had more time at the club. Mm -hmm. I think Villa, Villa is definitely the better player overall, but Pedro is 
ahead of him if you're talking purely like contributions to the club. And also, also via you know, like we were talking about whether he's identified with Barcelona. To, to a large extent, he is, but he played such a long time with like Valencia and different Spanish clubs. And I think people, when they think about via, their first thought is going to be that he had an incredible World Cup in 2010 when Spain won it for the he's first time. Player. Yeah, yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And then you think, well, okay, he also had like success with Barcelona in the Champions League, and he also played with so many different uh, Spanish teams. Or if you're a Fox soccer commentator, you know him as the New York City FC player. Right. Well, I mean, he was, listen, he was there as long as he was at these other stops. It's almost the same thing with Fernando Torres, that yeah. Torres was with Atletico Madrid, he was with Liverpool, he was with, I mean, Chelsea, he won't be retired there, but like these other places that he was, and we don't, when we think of Fernando Torres, we try to put him in a jersey, even for him, for Spain. Like, yeah. I don't know what jersey you ever put him in. I, mean, I, I, think, I think that it, it definitely matters what team you started with. So, yep, so Atletico Madrid would be the, yeah, yeah. the Fernando Torres. Exactly, and and Pedro, because he came, I mean, he, he was born in the Canary Islands, but he came to, to Barcelona, at, you know, the, to the to the B team, I think, first. I, can, I mean, I can't remember if it was... No, no, team. yeah, when he was 17, he came from, yep. So, yeah, came at a very early age and before de- debuting in, in the, um, you know, top league. Mm-hmm. So that makes a big difference in how you're identified. So I think that definitely definitely impacts how we look at like Bia, for example, because he came up, I think in Gijon and went through different stages of his career and only came to Barcelona when he was like a fully formed kind of star. He's just not strongly identified the same way than when you come to the club and you're, you know, you're a youngster looking to debut in the first team for the very first time anywhere. So. Yeah. And the, you actually brought up a really interesting thing about like best player in an era, like, cause again, Neymar wasn't a, he was a third option in that attacking core. Mm-hmm. And so being the best player on your team in certain era is, is like a really interesting idea that I think about because like you could argue that um, Elogio Martinez for a few seasons was the best player. Johan Niskins was the second best player behind Cruyff mm-hmm. in that era. Ferenc Platko back in the late 20s was the goalkeeper and he saved a lot of points for Barcelona. Then mm-hmm. you reward him for that. And then even the likes of Basora, like you argue like, I mean, there was, what would they have been without him? And so that's why, like, I did reward Rife here because I, I didn't really get the argument for him. But he played for the club from 63 to 76, 290 appearances, 300 unofficial, more than that. Only had 23 goals, but, like, he was kind of the bread and butter. Like, he's what made them tick. But then if I keep, if I have Rife there, the argument for Jose Ramon Alexanco is really interesting because he was the captain at the time, but he's also the one that fell out with Nunez, and he's... In that era is not oddly or is not fondly remembered because arguably their best player was Bruno Schuster. You mm-hmm. want to talk about Barcelona Real Madrid? That's another example right. of a Real Madrid guy who I no way for Bruno Schuster. I didn't even put him in the top fifty again. So it's interesting that for like Farife, not in my top fifty players of all time Barcelona players, but he's in the top thirty for me of having his name retired or his jersey retired because of his contributions to the club. I think again two different things, two different thought experiments, but. I think we've we've exhausted it. I don't know who's with us anymore, Luis, but I, I think we've done it. I, I think there's one name you could mention, but it's not a yes for me. But it's a it's like an honorable mention. Is Rafa Marquez? He was in the poll. Sure. He got a good amount of votes. I think you couldn't put him ahead of several people we've mentioned. But I think you know, while I was I was trying to be cruel by like saying no to certain players, I think it's fine to we can mention as many honorable mentions as you want to because they're, te- <laughs> they're technically no, so um, people can't say yeah. we're being soft either. So I'll, I will yeah. mention him. Right, right, right. Gary Gary Lineker, uh, Mark Hugh is like we can we can throw out those, but again, those that's all about longevity. So again, longevity is kind of yeah. where I think my criteria started and stopped. So Luis, you did it. I we gotta have any more. We gotta have to any more because. You know, you haven't been since 2018, and that was just the. Sometimes I get lost on the shuffle with with different names and invites right. and things like that. But I did give you four years to prepare for this one, so I promise the next <laughs> time you're on, it's sure. going to be a lot easier of a topic. But until that time, again, you're you're more known even for your writing. So, Barcelona Granas, I guess the question I would say people know to find you there. But what is your not to say assignment? But you seem to have a lot more of the hypotheticals and thought experiments and things mm-hmm. like that. So what kind of influences your writing for Barcelona Granas? What influences me is just uh, I try to look at, you know, to take a little bit of time away from kind of day-to-day results and transfer rumors, which 
I, I, I'm all for talking about that. I, I like talking about transfer rumors. I think that's fun and everything. But every now and again, want to look at the, the weird side <laughs> or the unusual things, things that maybe other people aren't talking about and, and trying to bring them up. And, uh, you know, talking about the history of the club is, is great. Um, I think there are a lot of Barcelona fans, especially English-speaking, who are in the internet, who started following the club either Ronaldinho era or starting with the Messi era. And um, talking about some of these young, uh, older generations, I think is pretty cool. Um, I definitely, I, you know, I started watching when I was in the, when it was, when it was the 90s. So I like talking about the, the 90s teams, even though some of them weren't great. <laughs> Um, but 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 uh, it's good to talk about them. And then when we talk, you know, further into uh, history, it's it's so um, it's so different and it's so fun. I don't know if you saw the the Twitter thread that was going around about the 1930 World Cup, but it mm-hmm. was it was crazy. <laughs> and just like we were talking about some of these some of these players who played, they played pretty much on the, on the grounds that they could, um, and they. You know, there were no substitutes up until, I forget which year, you couldn't substitute players. And then eventually, like, we went to, okay, you can substitute if you have an injury. Okay, you have three substitutes. Oh, now you can have five substitutes. And it's just it's just so interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I just like looking at it from a different perspective every now and again because it brings us to these kind of discussions, which, you know, you don't usually have and you don't usually see. And it, it's, a, it's a good thing to highlight. Yeah, as people know, I mentioned before, I, I also work with and I play some ultimate frisbee on the side. And so I do broadcast for um, you know, a professional ultimate frisbee team here in the US, which people don't even know that that's a sport or that it exists. But in that work, when we go to stadiums and things like that, the stadiums have gotten better. And I've been it's the league's uh, 11 years old now, or 12 years old now. And from back in the beginnings, like we were, I mean, we were not even a high school, we were a middle school, we were anywhere we could be. And I mean, I was just, we were just trying to get things out on the air, like so that people could view or find or find the footage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now we're, you know, we got a broadcasting deal and we're, we're doing bigger things, but still there's still such a, uh, there's professionalism to it. But most of those athletes very much like even like the feminine, you want to talk about like recent professionalism, mm-hmm. all of our athletes are professional ultimate players, but they're all things on the side. Like that is not their day job. Like their day job is their day job, software engineers or whatever, teachers, and then they also professionals and players on weekends and they, but they travel, they get on planes and they have full schedules and there's a championship weekend and it's right. a whole thing. There's money behind it, but not that much. Right. So it's like, it's interesting to me that I'm maybe who knows hundred years from now, I'll go in as a, a pioneer of, of broadcasting for <laughs> ultimate Frisbee. But yeah, I, the last thing I'll say about Pedri, then, then we'll wrap this one up is that Pedri right now is at 63 appearances. So by the, by next season, he will likely hit the 100 appearance mark wow. and he will be 21 years old at that time. Wow. So I just want to, there, there's this caveat where let's revisit Pedri in, or even Gabi as well, who's almost a 50 already. So we'll revisit this one in like three years. And I can tell you that on this trajectory, especially if they do a little bit of winning, Pedri and Gabi are already going to be there. Cause they're already going to hit 200 appearances Yeah, in three or four, like by the age of 23, 24, yeah. they will already hit 200 appearances. So, and again, Reminder: Pedro, who we were arguing about, is was at two hundred four. So I don't so, know what you I don't know what you do with that. <laughs> you just yeah. Accept it. I mean, I think that if you if you were to bet on it, you would definitely bet on these people. These people, these young 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 players, going to be at least one of them, maybe two, three, four, are going to be club legends. Um, I just don't, you know, I don't like uh, counting the eggs before they're hatched, kind of thing. No. Because you never know. The, um, maybe if we had been talking about this at some point, we'd be talking about how Boyan would be a club legend or whatever. And it's just it didn't happen. Uh, a lot of things can go can go wrong in ways you don't expect. But um, as far as like being on the trajectory, I mean, they're certainly on that trajectory. Well, yeah, I mean, Boyan though, he only, I mean, he made over a hundred appearances for the club, but only only scored even twenty six official goals. Uh, and in the case of Pedri. Again, he in a matter of seventeen games yeah. will pass Terry Henry for Barcelona appearances. Like that's how quick wow. it happens. So it's like, yeah. right? And, and you kind of don't think about it, but like Pedri by putting in three or four seasons, right. Pedri will have already been, had the longevity of like not not half our list, but a bunch of our lists in you know two or three years. And so I already have Pedri 
as number 75 on my top 75 because wow. his contributions and appearances already to the club are already a top 75 player, which is just, and I also judge that on the fact that to me, he has been one of Barcelona's two or three right. best players for the last two seasons. Yeah. The, I mean, the key difference between him and Boyan is, is Boyan was a prospect who was doing well, but was yeah. always considered a prospect who in some later portion is going to become world-class maybe. Whereas Pedri is today, right now, already. Yep, I smoke up. Yeah. <laughs> He's oh. there. He's there already. So Right. Uh, you know, there was never a time where, I mean, Boyan made it into the net Spanish national team, but he was never like one of the stars of the team in a World Cup. Like that never happened. Nope. So obviously, obviously he's past that point already. But uh, you know, I'm just I was just highlighting a, a player who who perhaps at some point people thought he was kind of a sure thing, or at the very least that he would keep improving every year, and that just doesn't happen. You might think that you know because you're 18, you're going to be better at 19, you're going to be better at 20, and yep. keep improving until you're 27. But it it doesn't always happen. We'll see. We'll see. But I think for sure we're talking about somebody who's done a lot already, and so it's it's just a matter of. You know, even if he kept his current level, we, we could probably talk about him as a club legend. So, well, in in fifteen years, I do. I'm in, I'm excited to talk to you again in fifteen years <laughs> about, uh, about Pedri, Gabi, Balde, Ansufati, and and definitely some others uh, yeah. by that time. So again, Luis, follow him, uh, Barcelona Granas, on Twitter down in the show notes below. Click on his name, and that'll get you done and dusted over on Twitter. So you're following him and and not missing anything over there. So we're also on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod Hilton D13 for me. Close Facebook group. The Barcelona podcast, answer the question that lets you in. Patreon is out. And I'm also announcing this now because I'm pushing myself to do it. But there's a Discord that is beginning tomorrow. The Barcelona podcast, we're going to be on Discord now to have conversations about all that stuff. So it's going to be a bit like the Facebook group, but it's going to be a bit more coordinated as far as, you know, the Facebook algorithm. You can't really trust it. So it gives you stuff from three, four days ago. And that's the most recent thing. So it, as far as feed wise, so it's going to be a little more targeted. Patreon, you're going to have a little bit better access to me as well. If you're a Patreon, so, uh, and I also want to, again, thank friends at Sampre Positivo for kind of urging me in that direction as well and helping me with that. So we're also on YouTube, by the way, as well, where a lot of the history and a lot of precedent that I set here, you can find that with a playlist and really just nerd out and have fun here before the Barcelona action gets started in a month's time. So anyway, that was Luis. This is Dan. Most importantly, though, thanks for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon for the Barcelona. All right. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.